Hello everybody and you are very welcome to our St. Patrick's Day special. This is episode 6 of season 1.5 and it really is jam-packed with Irishness but with an international flavour. Luke, Rory, you're welcome to the show and as usual I have a question for you both. Class. For a change. (laughs) For a change. So obviously you guys know who our guests are today and what instruments they play but if you didn't and you heard the tune with which we opened our show today, would you have been able to tell me the instrument on which it was played? No, oh, 100% not. I imagine, I'm going to say Luke probably would have been able to, but I'd have been like, scent. It's got to be some sort of scent, <laughs> without a doubt. Like, I wouldn't. Not a hope I would have. I, th- I think I actually, I would have, because I remember maybe about a year ago, I went, you know, your Facebook feed goes through like these phases of just showing you things uh, and, and they're just <laughs> popping up as sponsored ads and, and you're like, where is this coming from? Uh, and and it's it all tied into some random little thing you might have Googled a couple of days beforehand. So, but I went through a couple of weeks of just these like uh, streams of, of, of these weird looking instruments popping up in my Facebook feed. And, um, you know, you'd say, what's that? And you'd watch it. And then Facebook knows you watched it. So it shows you more of them. So, so yeah, I kind of got fairly acquainted with what the instrument sounds like. Do you know what uh, Facebook did, Luke? What Facebook did was realised you could play all the other stuff and had to start putting <laughs> re- to sell really weird pan. instruments <laughs> in front of you. <laughs> I certainly never got an ad of this instrument. Certainly never come up in my feed, Rory. Uh, <laughs> Facebook knows its stuff, in fairness. It knows That's its market. exactly what happened. This guy plays, he'll buy anything. It's flat yeah. a handpan there. Where we go? <laughs> so yes, a handpan is the answer to this question. I certainly had never heard of the instrument. And the credit for this particular tune goes to Dan Mulqueen, a handpan player from New Jersey, who is one of our three guests on the show today. It's a tune called Head Down, and I'll be chatting to Dan about handpans and other things later in the show. Rory will be chatting to Stephen O'Dowd, who is the youngest guest we have had so far on In the Lamplight. Indeed, Stephen's dad, Shamey, was our very first guest on episode one of the show. And if you haven't heard that episode, do go back and check it out. It's great. At the end of today's show, we have a very special feature, a musical collaboration between our three guests today. Done remotely from Switzerland over to the East Coast of America and back to Ireland. It's the sort of thing most of us would only have dreamed of doing a year ago, but now seems almost run of the mill. But that's the wrong word to use because there is nothing run-of-the-mill whatsoever about what these three musicians have put together. Please stay tuned for that. But first up today is Luke, who will be speaking to harpist and composer Catherine Radigan, who is originally from Sligo, but now lives in Switzerland. Catherine actually has featured on the show before. No more than that, there's a story behind this one, is there, Steve? What well, this, this is called? a story. Yeah, this is a story I heard from Catherine Radigan. She told me she she told me that she was doing a gig in uh, Connecticut. In- this story she told Steve Wickham inspired Steve to write his tune, "The Whisperers of New England," which featured on episode eight of season one with Steve just before Christmas. So I've had to introduce this episode more so than I would usually do, lads, uh, because there's just so much going on and I want the listeners to understand the structure of it and what we're getting up to before we before we get into it. So, Luke, you're opening up the, the show with your interview with Catherine. How was, how was this chat for you? It was, it was really, I mean, Catherine's a good friend of mine anyway, so perhaps... She's from out your neck of the woods, Luke, is that she's right? She's from out, from out my way, yeah, and um, I've, I've worked on various projects with her over the years and, and there's kind of a gang of us that have done a few productions and shows together and have travelled a bit together and and we've become, you know, good friends as a result. So maybe a little bit more so for me with these three interviews than both of you. It, it felt just like a bit of a Zoom call and and a catch up with a friend. But um, I, I have a huge amount of kind of admiration and, and respect for, for what Catherine does and she's really good at pulling projects together and and finding funding for interesting angles on historical events and and she never uh she never takes the common angle on something or the established angle on something she looks for for and we did a really interesting show a couple of years ago that was about the Spanish Armada and and stuff but instead of just talking about the Spanish Armada and the ships and the sailors and yada yada she picked three of the cannons that were recovered from the sea in Strida and she traced 
you know, along with the the archaeological as we're working on it, they traced the roots of the cannons and what other ships they'd been on and where they were um, made and on all this kind of thing and told the story of the Amara through the context wow, of these, these three cannons. She called the show Cannon in Sea. As oh, in very good. Boom. In, boom. <laughs> in <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, great stuff. Well, look, let's get on with it, lads. Uh, we have a lot to get through, as I say. So here, uh, chatting to Luke, is Catherine Radigan. Hello, Catherine Radigan. You're very welcome to the podcast, In the Lamplight. Uh, thanks very much for coming on, and it's great to have you. It seems like an eternity since I saw you last in a normal context, and by that I mean obviously at a gig uh, in some shape or form. I think the last time we kind of shared a space in, in that context was when I was out in Switzerland with you, which has just gone over a year ago now. That seems like so long ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does, look. yeah, that's... Sure does. Yeah. And that that was a really nice, um, enjoyable experience as well, as I have come to expect when I work with you on things, because you have a great knack for, for putting a project together and putting a really good team together. So I suppose, what are you working on these days in that regard? I'm sure obviously the pandemic has limited you, but... Uh, well, the one kind of at the top of the pile at the moment, look, there are a couple of things, uh, as you'll probably find out to your cost. <laughs> <laughs> we should be stuck in the middle of them. But um, the one I'm currently working on is for Saigo Column Kill 2021. It'll be coming into roost, hopefully in Drumcliff Church in early December. And uh, yeah, that's that's extremely interesting because it's Brendo Callahan has initiated this and uh, kind of got the, the ball rolling. And we'll be doing something in the line of audiovisual and something to do with the saint in the context of his time. And in the context of the local landscape, of course, we've got Balash and Inish Murray and the Battle of Kuldrifna and lots of things like that. So that's taken an awful lot of research and listening to people and reading and sort of just swirling it around in my head. But I'm looking forward to that because it's such a huge part of North Sligo. Sure. So when, when you're approaching something like that, what is it that you do? Obviously, you you take tunes that already exist, but you then manage to put them within the context of whatever production you're putting together. But you also compose stuff yeah. for the pr- productions or certainly the productions that I've seen you put together so far. How do you approach the, the composition aspect of putting a production like that together? Well, th- the first one that I did where I really had to write something was Canada and Sea. That was initiated by Armada Ireland. And just to be clear for anyone listening and thinking she's a big plagiarist is when she says Canon and Sea, that's that's actually a great pun. That's uh, <laughs> it, it was tied into the canon that they pulled out of Strida. So the show was called Canon and then I-N and then S-E-A for C. Thanks, Luke. Sorry, I was kind of so used to it now. I looked around for bits of music that we could use because again, this went into a, a European context way beyond Streetja, but of course the events at Streetja shaped world history really. So we had to look at music from Spain uh, at the time, from Italy, from the Spanish Netherlands, and then what I couldn't find, I thought I had to kind of come up with. And then I also thought about the people who were who were actually the team, as you call them. And one of them was Philippe Carbonell. And I thought, well, I, I'm going to write something for him because I could hear him singing it. I can just hear the way he performs and I just wanted to give him uh, well, so that I something I hoped he could work with, and another one for Ray. And uh, the start of the show, I could see it and hear it, but I couldn't find a bit of music for it. And what I was visualizing was these these ships setting out from Spain, and they're doomed already, but they don't know that. But we know that now. And then you kind of telescopically view that, and can close it right in t- until you get the three that came in off Strija back in 1588 and they're doomed and they don't know that either. So was trying to get this whole sense of urgency and immediacy and, and, and you know, something right in your face, but not in your face. Sort of the, just the urgency of it really. So we needed something like that to open the show, uh, which was actually happening in a marquee in the old Napoleonic courtyard, just a couple of yards from the beach really. So putting all those things together, you know, where we're going to be putting it on, who we have in it, um, who can do some of the singing, who we have in terms of musicians and what they can do. You put all that together 
you know, it's trying to make it, you know, I suppose one way would be making an omelette and knowing that you have eggs and you have milk and you have, you know, you're not going to try to make an omelette with the ingredients you use for a Christmas cake. <laughs> if that makes sense. Well, like, you could, you could, but it probably wouldn't turn out very nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. But knowing the people that are there and, and, and what they can really bring to it, you know, the sum of the, what is it? The sum of the whole is more than the sum of the parts. It's funny the way you describe your compositions as being that, that you're, you're, you're filling holes in what you can't find with your own compositions. But I think that tremendously undersells your own compositions because your own compositions are, are magnificent. They're beautiful. And, and that one that you spoke about, the Inish Murray March that we're going to have a listen to at the end of, of this segment of the podcast, the opening of that and, and the atmospherics of it and everything on, on the night within the marquee, in the location, and you could hear the waves rattling down on the shore and the wind shaking the tent and everything. It was one of the most kind of magically atmospheric gigs that I was ever involved in or, or at just even as a as a punter. It was... Um, it was tremendous. Just uh, moving on to the the pandemic, um, you know, you mentioned there the west coast of Ireland, and obviously that's where you're you're born and bred. But um, these days, you, your life is in Switzerland. But I don't think I know anybody who lives with one foot in two different countries quite as much as you. <laughs> so that must have uh, that must have made the kind of pandemic particularly challenging for you, because you know you're always over here linking in with musicians for a musical project or, or, or coming to, you know, to, to visit visit family. So I suppose for those reasons, not being able to be here and, and then even, you know, obviously your your mother passed away during the midst of, of all of this as, as well. So, you know, adding all that together, it must be immensely difficult for you to not be able to be in Ireland as, as much as you're used to. I know what you're saying, Luke. There's, I suppose there are two things I could say to that. And one is, um, having come out here 20 years ago anyway, me and some of the other gals that I know around here and some of the other guys, we've had this conversation and we have been isolated before. Like when we came to live in a new place, we kind of chose to come out. I come out here because my husband is, is here. So I married, you know, my, my choices for love. But I, I came out here knowing nobody. So in ways, we had this conversation and we said, well, here's the pandemic shutting us down again. You know, we're kind of used to going from ground zero and, and kind of sucking it up and working with what's around you. That's something that wouldn't be such a, a kind of a hard blow for me. Whereas people who've maybe never left the West of Ireland and they're used to the support system from the day they were born or, or have never actually made a break away and left everyone and everything behind, they might find it harder actually being there than I did not being there, if that makes sense. Mm. And there was something I heard recently which said about the pandemic, you have two choices. You can break out or break down. It's as simple as that. And I kind of believe myself, you have to look within yourself for flexibility and for resilience and, and kind of do a bit of a double spin on what you got and what's there and improvise and all of that. It was very hard for my mother dying, that's for sure. But the lady, my mother, Sheila, had Alzheimer's for quite a while and it was a kind of a long goodbye. So it wasn't a sudden cut like it's been for other people. We were kind of expecting it anyway, Luke. Mm. And not to be able to go there was very hard. But we'll catch up on that one. I mean, Sheila was a, a tough Kerry woman and uh, she'll have her, her farewell. <laughs> <laughs> she'll demand it. Oh, she'll demand it. She'd come back and haunt us if we didn't. You're talking about scary evenings over in the tent in Sridia. Well... No, yeah, that, so it's not so bad. That's 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 a great answer. And you talk about uh, your mum, Sheila, being a tough carry woman, but it's definitely obvious that some of that toughness is rubbed off in you. Do you want to talk a bit about the collaborative piece that we've got going on for this episode, which started with you? I suppose the other two musicians on the collaborative piece are are kind of in a different position to you because they'll have some context when they're doing their parts in this. They'll be able to hear the part that you have already done, which is the bass part. But, you know, you started this and, and chose that and performed it without having any idea of what was going to go on it afterwards. Why did you choose the, the piece that you did? Um, Shibunk Shimor is the very first one that Carolyn ever wrote. 
And um, Carolyn sort of didn't get much of an airing last year. It would have been one of his big years, but the pandemic fairly shut that down. And it's a grand piece of music anyway. And like you said, I was thinking about the other guys who have to come in on this somewhere along the line. And I thought they'll probably know this too. And it kind of, a lot like a lot of Carolyn's pieces, it can be opened up to various interpretations and the skills of other musicians. So I was hoping that it would give them a bit of space to to kind of do something else with it. I opened it myself in a, with a couple of jazzy chords that certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't be accepted at the flal. <laughs> but I was just hoping the other guys would be able to, you know, kind of do something similar. Let's see what comes out of it, you know. Kind of Zan McLeod approach, if you've come across him. I think that's that's the idea, though, the, behind this little thing that we're trying is just to take um, a song or a piece of music that's very familiar to people, like even people that, you know, don't know a whole lot of Irish music, they're still going to know the tune of that, the air of it, they're going to have heard it somewhere. It's in their, it's in the back of their subconscious. So it'll be interesting to see um, people take something that is so common as, as that tune and then go at it from a completely different approach with completely non-traditional instruments and, and sensibilities. So yeah, we're really looking forward to hearing that all put together and we'll be playing that at the end of the show. Today is uh, the show is going out on St. Patrick's Day. So although we're talking a few days before uh, when this show goes out, it will be St. Patrick's Day. And uh, it's going to be a strange St. Patrick's Day for musicians everywhere because it's normally a day that musicians find themselves quite busy and, and they tend to mark it in, in one way or another with a gig or a big session or or, or 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 some class of performance, crack somewhere, yeah, a, bit, yeah. a bit of crack to be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you normally find yourself doing on on a St Patrick's Day that you quite likely won't be doing this year? But you know what, Luke? Every St Patrick's Day for me has been really different. I mean, I would have started off going down to the well in Tullahan when we had the marching band in Cliffney. So we went down there in the freezing cold with the the red skirts and the white shirts and the piano accordion. Bet you didn't know I played the piano accordion, did you? It's one of your instruments I heard from your own podcast. I did not. There you go. Now we started off with that and um, we used to go down there and we kind of lined ourselves out, you know, in the in the shape of a cross and played a few tunes and went home again. And then when we got Midland Good, we were allowed into the Sligo Parade. So that was a, kind of an upgrade. And uh, a couple of times I spent it in Scotland. I don't know what the hell we were doing in Scotland. The, the last Patrick's Day before the pandemic, we, I was in Vienna doing some stuff with the group here in, in Switzerland called the Celtic Fragment. And we had Ray Cohen guesting. And another St. Patrick's Day, uh, if I'm allowed to blow my own trumpet just a tiny little bit, we were in um, Carnegie Hall with the Chieftains performing in 1992, which was another big harp year. That was a hell of a, <laughs> that was a hell of a Patrick's Day. Wow. Yeah, I've been at some great concerts here in Zurich, you know, in the good old days, in the middle of the Celtic Tiger days, they were able to bring over, um, I remember Limo was over here and um, Paddy Dlacken did some concerts over here and we've had some rip-roaring uh, St. Patrick's Days here too with the different areas communities. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. It's always great crack. And it'll be great crack this year too, believe me, somewhere or other. Yeah, there's a huge, there seems to be a huge drive to create a, a lot of, you know, really nice and interesting virtual and, and online content. So hopefully at the very least, if it's not a parade, people will still have something interesting to look at for the day. Uh, so that's... That's that. And uh, we're going to wrap up this little segment of the uh, podcast now, but we're going to close it out with a composition of yours that we've already talked about, um, which is the Inishmary March. This was recorded on location at Strida in a marquee. By you? By me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a marquee with the wind howling outside and projections of um, the underwater footage of the Armada wrecks and uh, the cannon that they found over there a couple of years ago on a screen behind the guys. And it really, really, really was uh, a magical, magical show. So Catherine, thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting to us. Thank you, Luke. Lovely chatting to you. Not at all. And I can't wait until we get uh, working on something again together in the future whenever that may be it'll be all the more sweet when it does come around and we're allowed to get back to things so this is composed by Catherine Radigan and featuring Catherine Radigan on the harp Robert Tobin on the flute Ray Cohen on fiddle Philippe Carbonell on Spanish guitar 
Dave Abley on bazooki, Seamus Gallagher on percussion and Pranny Ratican also on percussion, uh, who are collectively known as the Atlantic Orchestra Project. This is the Inishmary March. So that was Shoheen Shoho, a version by Neve and Sean Farrell, with Hanpan from our next guest, Mr. Dan Mulqueen, a Hanpan artist from New Jersey in the United States of America. Dan, you're welcome to the show. Thank you so much, man. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you because, I mean, a month ago we'd, we'd never spoken or we weren't aware of each other at all. And That's right. You've never even heard the instrument before. <laughs> I had never even heard the instrument, the handpan instrument before, and we're going to get into that. But you have this Instagram series called hashtag handpan was missing. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Where you you pick tunes and songs that you like, that you find online, and you add a handpan part to it. It's brilliant. Yeah, thanks, man. And this is what you did with Neve and Sean's version of Shoheen Shoho, which we featured last year on Team Like 26. And you put a handpan part onto it, which was beautiful. And you tagged myself and Neve on Instagram, and and hence we're here chatting. Uh, tell tell us how you came across Neve, or how how did you come across that version? Uh, yeah, that version. I, mean, I was um, I was just kind of scrolling YouTube a while back, and like one of my favorite like musicians ever is Andy Irvin, Paul Brady, the the album they did together. So Mary and the Soldier is one of my favorite songs. Okay, And I saw uh, her and her band do a version. I, th- I think it was some, if I'm remembering correctly, which I, it's very possible I'm screwing this up. I think it was some like folk music festival in Ennis or something. It's like a live video. Of the, I don't know. I, I saw it a long time ago. I was like, wow, she's really talented. And then um, she kept popping up in my feeds. And then I saw that song and I thought it was, you know, it's like a really nice. I think it's a lullaby, right? Yeah, like correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't speak. Uh, I don't speak Irish, but I know it's like something about 
sleep in tight or something. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you're right. I do speak Irish, but I, 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 I still can't tell you, I'm afraid, what the lyrics mean. But <laughs> that's that was one of my favorite things about posting that video is, uh, you know, like some of my friends, like, you know, now with COVID and stuff, especially being on Zoom. Oh, yeah. I, I, that song you posted, Seo Thin Seho. I'm like, what? What did I post? <laughs> they just assume that I know what it means and what, what it, all that stuff. I listen from this video, you might think, but I have no idea what, what yeah, the lyrics are. No, I, I just mean, know that, it's a beautiful song. That could be an <laughs> Instagram series in itself, Dan, you know, getting non Irish speakers to pronounce Irish song titles, you know? <laughs> yeah. The Seoheen, Seoho is a good yeah. example, you know? Yeah, yeah. Seothan. Um, <laughs> that's the one, yeah. <laughs> Dan, can you tell us what is a handpan? Essentially, it's a steel drum that you play with your hands. The origins are from, you know, the, the typical, you know, the traditional Trinidad and Tobago steel pan with the mallets. Um, but based on like the curvature of the instrument, the type of metal and the tuning techniques, it's got like a much softer, almost like um, harp type texture to the metal when you strike it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's two pieces of like concave metal, one on the bottom and then one on the top. Um, and then there's, but I have one, one here. Um, so for anyone just, watching this on oh yeah, our social sorry. media feeds, yeah, Dan is, is showing us a handpan, yeah. Yeah, so each of the notes, um, this one, trying to get the light so you could see, yeah. uh, this is like a real small one, so it's really high-pitched. Okay. And then the one in the middle is usually like the lowest tone, so it's lower. So it's essentially, it's like they tune everything with um, uh, like tension. So the bigger the note, the looser it's tuned. The lower the pitch, the higher it is, the smaller, the tighter. Um, okay. And yeah, there's a lot of percussive parts. Um, so not really anything in the song with Neve, being that it's a lullaby. Um, but in a lot of the stuff I play, is, is a bit faster. Um, and it's kind of, you try to be, or at least I try to be anyway, like, you know, rhythm, melody, and percussion all with your hands. So you'll see like some like closed fist, almost like a kick drum. You know, you slap the side like a snare drum. Uh, yes. all with the tones in there and melodies. So, but yeah, man, it's essentially just two pieces of metal with some dents in it that yeah. are tuned pretty cool. <laughs> amazing, amazing. And, and it's, yeah. this, this instrument is is twenty years old. I mean, it's it's yeah. a, it's it's a brand new. Well, in, in the history of music, as far as that goes, it's basically a brand new instrument. Yeah. I've seen videos of you playing. You often play with a, a setup, so it mightn't just be one hand pan. It might, you might you might have one in the center of you, and then you might have one either side of you as well for, yeah. to get different tones again. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So, uh, by nature, so actually, the one I just showed you is probably the worst example because it has uh, so nine. 30, yeah, so 14 notes on top uh, and four on the bottom. But like by nature, like the, the more standard uh, configuration is like the big note in the center and then eight or nine around in the circle. So usually like one instrument is limited to one scale. So when you see like a set like that, um, you know, for the music speaking people, it's, you know, if I have like an F in the center yes. and I pull from like a C sharp on my left hand side, you know, C sharp three is not something I have on the instrument in front of me, but okay. I have it over here. You have it on so the, when you see, the left. Yeah, yet, when you yeah. see multiple instruments, you know, it's not just for show. It's, you know, there's there's certain notes on there that are, um, you know, you just don't have on one. Uh, and then in doing that, you're able to, you know, kind of drift across, you know, different keys and, you know, adding some, you know, different rises and falls in your, in your songs that maybe you wouldn't be able to do with just one. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. This is our St. Patrick's Day special here on In the Lamplight, and it, it's great to have you. I mean, again, for anyone watching this or anyone who sees Dan, there's an Irish flag in the background. You've, you've spoken about Andy Irvin and Paul Brady, and your name is Dan Mulqueen. So I'm guessing there's some Irish links somewhere in your family. Yeah, on both sides. Um, okay. And it's it's like a weird thing to, you know, like here, I'm not Irish, like I'm not from where you're from, but yeah, uh, yeah like on both sides of the family uh, are, you know, Irish roots. So, um, and yeah, the flag is not just for your show. It's always up there, you know. Brilliant. I love <laughs> so, it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, man. So yeah, there's Irish on both sides. Um, I've, I've been listening to Irish music, uh, you know, the traditional folk music since like middle school, I think, you know, so since I'm, you know, 15 years old and I play in a, a band that does, especially around St. Patrick's Day, you know, and, you know, anytime where it's just, you know, fun bar songs, you know, essentially we just run through like the Dubliners um, yeah. definitive pub collection record and just, <laughs> just play those songs. <laughs> play that so, start to finish. Yeah, basically yeah, just play yeah. it all the way through, you know. <laughs> You skip over like the fields of Athens rise so nobody starts crying and then, uh, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So you, I mean, a regular St. Patrick's Day, Dan, say, not obviously not this year or last year, but you've spoken to me before about, you know, being quite busy around the place with gigs, playing Irish music. So that's obviously a thing in, in New Jersey. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, um, I'm not going to say like a novelty because that, that's not what it is, but it's certainly like the bands who do that stuff here or are capable of doing that stuff here. Um, you know, there's certainly an influx of interest, you know, like every restaurant wants to, you know, stick you in a corner. So, um, you know, the bars and stuff too. It's, it's just fun. But, uh, yeah, so like the, the dudes I play with, it's usually just three of us, sometimes four, um, a dude, this one guy who plays, uh, you know, violin, um, mandolin, uh, bazooki, all this different kind of stuff. And then a singer on acoustic guitar singing, uh, all the stuff. And then me on cajon and any other percussion. Um, and yeah, we just kind of, again, just run through some Dubliner stuff. And then, you know, being that it's, you know, New Jersey, you have to do some, uh, acoustic Bruce Springsteen songs, of course. And, yeah. you know, some, you know, credence or something, but, uh, yeah, yeah man, you just kind of run through some stuff, but I, I play a lot of blues music with those guys too, or used to before, you know, the world stopped. <laughs> Before the world stopped, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, Dan, in Ireland here, we're obviously we're aware of the big St. Patrick's Day parade in, in New York and Manhattan every year. Um, you've spoken of, of gigs happening uh, in, in New Jersey. Would there be much else going on or would, you know, are there any parades in, in towns or is there, what, what is St. Patrick's Day like where you're from, I guess, is what I'm asking. Uh, yeah, I mean, the New York one is, I mean, where I am in New Jersey is pretty close to New York. Um, okay. So it's, you know, it's a lot of people, I think, want to go to that parade but there's another town up here uh called morristown which is yes. like a big parade it's actually kind of weird like last time i was in ireland uh, there was a dude playing at a bar and we just uh we just got to talking and he's where i was from and he's like oh have you ever heard of morristown i, I play that st patrick's day every year like all these bars like yeah it's one of my favorite spots man but, wow, great. Uh, yeah but so yeah morristown is a pretty good one that's kind of like a more of like a party town so they do like a parade in the morning but usually you know the majority of the people miss that and then they just uh you know, see you at see you at the bars later, but uh, yeah, man, like small parades all over. Um, that's okay. usually that's pretty typical here. You know, down okay. Main Street of whatever town, and yeah, a lot of people in green, and yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? To, to think yeah, how, nuts, how this, this little country has has infiltrated your <laughs> that massive country and 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 takes right. o- takes over for a day every year. It's it's funny <laughs> to think of it. Um. Dan, look, I mean, I'd love to have a proper, a long chat, which is sometime, and I know it's it's on your list to visit Sligo at some stage. So maybe when the world opens up again, we might we might see you in in our neck of the woods and get to play yeah. properly together. I hope so, man. Yeah, Sligo. Before I even knew you, like you guys came up on, you know, one of like the most music towns in Ireland. To, like they were like, if you're looking for good Irish folk music, then uh, then go to Sligo. There you go, Dan. Yeah. You are certainly <laughs> playing to your audience today. Fair play to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> just if people want to find out a little bit more about you, Dan, uh, danmulqueen.com is your website. Yeah. Uh, and your last album, very <laughs> unfortunately, came out on March the 1st, 2020. <laughs> yeah. You told you, you, you had 60 or 70 tour dates cancelled. Was that Yeah, right? I think it was it was something like 72, I think. Approximately. Um, yeah, across yeah. the, yeah. I mean, yeah. but it wasn't like consistent, like, you know, a show here, a show there. It was more of like the travel and, you know, I'll be here for this long. And then it was kind of filling in the blanks because, you know, I self book and self everything. So, yeah. um, you know, that hit deep, man. <laughs> yeah. God. Look. Yeah. Well, look, you're still here and you're still making you. music yeah. and yeah, you have a great it, attitude. Fair play to you. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, look, danmulqueen.com if anyone wants to find out a little bit more about Dan and, and listen to his album from 2020. That was your fourth album, Dan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, and four. And, and we're going to play a song or one of your pieces just to finish off the interview. Can you tell us a little bit about this piece? Yeah, so uh, we're going to play the title track of the record called Real Life. Um, and this song features, you know, as you were saying, about multiple instruments and stuff. It's one of my favorite songs to play acoustically live. You know, it's three instruments, a lot of, you know, cool chord rises and falls for the musical friends out there. Yeah. Um, but then there's also like on the album version, there's a lot of like added percussion and electronic elements and real you know, deep, subtle basses and stuff. Um, it's the title track of the album, man. I, I had to, uh, I had to put all the bells and whistles on it. So, <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you, Dan, and thanks for, uh, thanks for reaching out and playing on that track with Neve and Sean, and and thanks for coming on the show. This is real life.
So this is the part of the podcast where I forget to do something with my audio and Luke Devani gets on to me to say I forgot to do something with my audio and that's why it sounds so crap. So I do apologize if I've forgotten something, but I'm very excited about the guest for this part of the slot. Um, he may not be as well renowned as his dad, but he sure is getting there. That's for sure. So you're very welcome to the podcast, Stephen O'Dowd. Thanks for having me on. No worries at all. Um, It's great to have you on. Actually, just before we came on air, we were chatting about surfing and stuff. Do you surf often, Stephen? In the summer, mostly, yeah. This winter, a bit more than usual, just because the swells have been small. But um, yeah, I bodyboard a bit, but... I wouldn't say I'm very good at it though. <laughs> I leave that. I leave that up to my brother. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I've heard a lot about Rory surfing. But um, back on to you. How, like, apart from surfing, how have you kept yourself busy? Given the fact that we're all in this lockdown, and I mean, you're a musician. But what do you do to try and keep yourself busy and keep yourself interested in music when everything is shut down? Uh, procrastinate from college, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, there are a multitude of things. Um, there's, I mean, I just, I'm pretty fortunate to live in, I mean, in Sligo. So there's always somewhere to go. I mean, outside, if you're okay with being outside. So that music, I mean, at Christmas time, I was trying to be a creative, I suppose, as such. And I was, I, I took up embroidery at Christmas. So that definitely kept me busy over, <laughs> over Christmas. Uh, forgive me for my ignorance here, but what is embroidery? It's kind of like stitching, but it's like a... It's like if you could, it's like drawing with, with stitching kind of thing, but it's called embroidery. So you would, you would have a, you would have a hoop and then you get like a bit of cloth and then you can stitch a picture into it kind of thing. Man, that's deadly. Um, I must ask you to send me over a picture of some of your work and we'll, yeah, uh, yeah. we'll, <laughs> we'll flog some of your designs on the Lamplight uh, yeah, yeah, website. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. So I suppose the reason we've broken up um, this uh, these interviews into three sections is because we asked you to do something we have never done before. We've taken three artists, uh, three musical artists for people that don't know. It's probably been explained already, but three musical artists and uh, with all varying different styles and skills. And then we We've asked you to um, put your own little flair um, on a well-known Irish tune. But when I called you to see if you were interested in doing it, you said to me something along the lines of, oh, well, what will I put on it? Because I can I can do like the mandolin, I can do the guitar, I can do, you know, I play a tenor sax, I play. So you're a multi-instrumentalist as well. Yeah. Um, it's funny how, how I would put it would be kind of like, I can play a couple of things fairly okay or whatever but some of them are kind of chance in my arm I think more than anything but uh but yeah no, I can play I can play a little bit on on a few things yeah give us a little uh, list there of, of what you play on I've got a few of them next to me here I suppose I have that you can probably see the what's kind of the remnants of his drum kit at the minute there <laughs> um uh generally anything with strings that's kind of fretted so like a guitar mandolin banjo uh bass that kind of thing um, I, I actually started playing fiddle like that was my first instrument uh, and then I took up guitar with uh, Jerry Grennan cool. and then the fiddle sort of fiddle sort of fell to the wayside then but this this year with with COVID actually that'd be I suppose uh, also an answer to your earlier question about things I do to keep busy I took up fiddle again and 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 the Ilum pipes as well. <clears throat> the Ilum pipes man. Yeah so Wicked. currently Ilum pipe because it's just the the, <laughs> the bag enchanter but uh but um, yeah, so doing a bit of that as well. So a few few bits of mobs and then just the, the sax as well. But uh, that's kind of fallen by the wayside the last while. So how did you find it, uh, Stephen, when you know we sent you kind of two other artists, their take on an Irish tune? Like how do you find having to jump in and throw something in on top of that? Does it come to you quite naturally or is it something you're going to have to work on pretty pretty hard? Like it's an int- It's actually an interesting one because I wasn't, sure what was coming in to my email when you sent it so uh what I, I wasn't sure to expect maybe the handpan being say just percussion i know it's kind of a, a music like more melodic percussion but i wasn't really sure what to expect there but it's really cool because when when you hear the track you can hear um the handpan player is playing the sort of along to the tune which is really cool um and i wasn't sure how kind of harmonic the harp might be because a lot of the time you can play you can play a lot i mean there's so many strings in the harp you can play a lot at once whereas the harp player kind of pushes more towards <clears throat> just the melody which is really nice because then you have this really cool interplay between the hand pans and the harp which is something i never thought i'd ever hear, hear myself say which sounds really cool <laughs> uh, so ahead, uh 
yeah so the interesting thing is where to fit in between all that so uh i still haven't i haven't recorded my section yet but it'll be interesting to see where it goes but so far what's in my head is baritone guitar so uh it'll be interesting to see where that goes so uh so just sorry again ignorance uh what is a baritone guitar oh yeah so um basically the same way that you might have different people in a choir or different instruments say like a in the fiddle family or the violin family, you might have a you know a tenor or an alto or whatever, um, or sorry, I should say the horn family. Um, so kind of tenor, for example, let's say if someone who was singing, I would be a tenor or so, and the register below me would be baritone. So guitar is sort of in tenor range and baritone is below it. I think. I think. Wicked, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm it's sure. just it's it's kind of if you I, you kind of look at it as sort of like halfway between bass and guitar, that that kind of thing. Man, that's wicked. I can't wait to hear it. Um, yeah, I'm just really, really looking forward to seeing what you can do with that track. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, coming, that's coming up at the end uh, of this podcast. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing it because uh, as people might have guessed, if you haven't done your bit yet, uh, that means we haven't heard the final track yet. So it's all a little bit mm. of a surprise. And that, I think that was kind of the point. We wanted it to be like a bit of a surprise for us, uh, a little bit of a surprise for you and just a little bit something different leading up to Paddy's Day. Um, but I wanted to, I want to come off Paddy's Day now for a second and I want to talk to you about the first time I met you, which it actually isn't that long ago. The first time I met you was a couple of weeks ago. We were working together on a project in the Hawkswell where mm. if people haven't seen it, you, your dad and your brother did a 15 minute set for um, the Hawkswells um, from our home to yours. And it was fabulous, man. I thought you did an unbelievable job. But what I wouldn't mind hearing about is the song you sung, because the song you sung was beautiful, man. And it was like you did such a good job of it. Um, so I just wonder, like, if, even from talking to you earlier on about, like, I asked if it was your song, you said it wasn't your song and, and that it was uh, somebody else's song, but your dad does a good version or a well-known mm. version of it. I just wonder if you could tell us the story of, of the song and, and the title and, and just give it a kind of a little bit of a lift there. Yeah, so the the tune's called Turn the Corner and it was written by a person called Tom Moore who's a, who uh, was a very good songwriter who uh, died a few, years, a few years ago, unfortunately. But uh, Dad was very good friends with him and sang a lot of his songs uh, and some of them in his own way. And that's kind of where I would know Tom's music would be from Dad. Now, I would have met Tom as a kid as well too, but in terms of gigs, I don't think I would have seen him live too often, but... This song I would know mostly just from hearing Dad play it, um, and it's funny. There's a good, there's a lot of versions of it. Kind of, there's a couple of versions of how Dad does it. Funny enough, as well. But um, the one that I play is kind of based off a version he uh, recorded in the Glen um, uh, in Knocknarray, which is kind of re- which is really cool actually because the song is sort of a, a poignant kind of recall of I suppose Sligo, but there's a lot of reference to Strand Hill and Knocknarray, that kind of area as such. So, so uh, Knocknarray, this mountain in the bay is kind of that that kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's a song kind of, I suppose, reminiscent of, of Sligo and it's sort of a version of Dad's version of somebody else's song. So that's the, that kind of thing. Unreal. And when I heard you sing it, I heard something that you and your dad share. For people who who, who might know Shami's uh, style of singing or his um, just the way he presents songs and his emotion behind it, you do a really like emotional version of the song. Uh, not that I know any mm. other versions, but it is an emotional version nonetheless. Yeah. And I just got this feeling that when when you and your dad sing about Sligo. Uh, you, you seem to get very passionate about it. Is that something that is important to you in your music? Well, I, I think it's important to be able to be passionate about anything, I suppose. But it's kind of uh, innate, I guess, because, I mean, well, I know for a fact Dad loves Sligo because um, he's he's been so far and wide. And he's, you know, he would, would tell us that we're lucky, very lucky, in fact, to, to be able to live in such a beautiful place. So... I haven't traveled too far myself. I've traveled a bit, but um, not a lot. But I definitely appreciate Sligo for what it is. Um, and to be able to sing really nice songs about it is, is kind of cool. So I guess I'm just putting what I like about Sligo into the, the way I, I sing it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I would assume, I, I won't speak for that, but I'm assuming he's doing the same. 
Yeah, I definitely got that from you, dude. I got, I got that from you the first time I heard this song and I'm really looking forward to hearing it again. Uh, I just, it it kind of took me by surprise because usually I know a lot of tunes that people do and especially even tunes about Sligo because I hear them fairly regularly. I enjoy that style of music and I just thought when I heard this one, I thought it was absolutely wicked, man. You did a fabulous job on it. Oh, thanks. So look, we're rounding up towards the end of getting the chat with you, Stephen. There's plenty more I'd like to talk to you about. I hopefully will get that opportunity soon enough in the future. Um, but I just want to say a massive thanks to you for all of your work on the Trad collaboration. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Uh, and let's uh, let's have a listen to your version of Turn the Corner. Cool. Thanks for having me on.
So that was Stephen O'Dowd with his version of his dad, Shamey's version of Tom Moore's song, Turn the Corner. And lads, right, we've a lot to get through. That was a, that was a jam-packed episode. What stood out to you from those chats? I, I guess I'll start. I love hearing from Stephen, I must say. As, as I said in the intro, Stephen is the, the youngest guest we've had on In the Lamplight. Uh, younger than even ye two lads, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and he's just such a wise head on him. And I just, I, I've, I've known Stephen since he was probably 14, 15. He came to piano lessons for a while and he was in the teenage team nights. And he just, he just is so calm, a real calm presence about him, yet, yet can be assertive and can, you just know Obviously, it's in his genes, but he's also really putting the work in regarding his music. You know, he's studying so hard at it and he's playing the whole time. And, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed seeing his development so far. And I look forward to seeing it in the years to come. You know, um, the certainly the way he spoke about how he was going to fill in between the harp and the handpan on the track. I, lo- I love that. And I really can't wait to hear the track now at the end of the show, I must say. For sure. Like, like beforehand um when when we were setting up to do the recording and you know we were just running through a few bits and pieces a few technicals doing claps and checking recording blah blah, blah. we were doing all that while chatting about surfing and <clears throat> people that don't, don't know i do a little bit of surfing and and, and so does Stephen, and we're chatting away and i suppose for for me i don't do a lot of interviewing so there was like maybe a sense of a like a little nervous sense, maybe not a nervous sense, but like a little apprehension to wonder how this will go. And I was just totally chill when I was starting. It just felt like I was talking to one of the lads, I think. And for someone who's being interviewed to can the interviewee down <laughs> like that, I think is a is a commendable trait in anyone, you know. Yeah. So I thought it was very good. Yeah, he's great, Stephen. He's always so on the level. And uh, the one thing that struck me from his interview was was him saying. Uh, you know, I, I don't really play a lot of things, but I'm quite chance on my arm at a lot of them. Like that's how I describe myself on playing lots of different things. So if he's chanced in his arm, then what the hell am I chancing? <laughs> like both legs? I was like, yeah, 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 for Jesus, sure. Jesus, like... Um, uh, there's you know, two E in it, Luke. There is no, two E in no, it, in fairness. Not. <laughs> for uh, sure. With, with Stephen, I've, I've always just admired what Stephen does melodically. He's one of the most melodic players I know he he just picks really really nice stuff to play and it's always so appropriate but he he can also do stuff that's really technically impressive but is still so melodic and appropriate and mm. um, the uh, his his guitar solo on um, the Strasbourg uh, Saint Denis and uh, in the heat of the summer uh, bit that the that the guys put together for uh, Team Night um, Twenty Seven. Hmm. I, I I'd recommend anyone to go back and and listen to that guitar solo. Um, well, do you want to do you want to do you want to play a wee bit of it now? Well, we, we might just stick it in, yeah, yeah because yeah. Um, I I heard the lads rehearse. Uh, this a couple of times in the day and he never played the same solo twice so it wasn't written it was yeah. improvised on the spot and, it's and there's barely anyone over 18 in the ensemble for this yeah. it's all a bunch of young lads and yeah, it's, it's unreal it's the best of the best of, of some of the young talent that we have around Sligo but Stephen's solo is fantastic so yeah that's a great idea let's have a listen to that now from the rest, you know you know You 
speaking of melodic players, lads, uh, what about Dan and this handpan? I mean, I love the story of how, I mean, I spoke about it during the interview, but, you know, how he just picked a song from YouTube and says, right, I'm going to add handpan to that. And that's what he does for his, his whole Instagram page. You know, he just adds handpan to, to songs from around the place. And I guess it's a great way of meeting people. And But, but you know, he's a percussionist. That's his background. But... You know, and and certainly that shines through on the handpans, but but also the melodic nature of what he plays is 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 incredible. Yeah, he definitely seems like has a has a massive understanding of melody and a massive understanding of, of just what sounds good, uh, melodic tone wise. Because I I went into his Instagram actually when when you said that you were going to have him on for a chat, and I went through a few of his bits and pieces, and it's just it's it's just showstopper after showstopper. I don't know if it, without taking anything away from it, I don't know if it's just because it's such an exotic instrument, but it's just so interesting to watch and listen. There's nothing uninteresting about it. Everything is is, is well worth while I watch I, I think one of the things that makes it a really interesting instrument to watch visually is you know when you watch somebody playing a piano and you know that when their hand goes up here the notes get higher and when their hand goes down here the notes get lower or even a guitar you can you can make a kind of a visual connection between what's happening and the notes that you're hearing the hand pan without really knowing how it works you're just you're watching somebody's hands go all over the place and you're hearing all these different notes and there's a little high one down here and there's a low one up in the so it's very visually interesting to watch because you can't anticipate what's coming sonically just by watching it visually. Absolutely. I remember saying to Kieran one time about it, he had a grand piano at a show we were doing. I remember looking at the grand piano and saying, as much as I understand how this works, I don't really understand how it works in a sense of I don't know how something so nice comes out of hammers hitting a string. It doesn't quite click in my brain. But Jesus, if the piano doesn't click in my brain, the hand pan is alien. <laughs> it's like a Martian <laughs> instrument. It's madness. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad, though. That, I mean, it must be the, the newest instrument invented. I, I don't know doing but Luke you probably know you have a fair knowledge of of most instruments but you know I certainly can't think of any any other newish instruments in, you know invented this century yeah I mean I suppose there is there is a certain heritage there in terms of where it comes from and the sound it makes but the actual manufacture of it and the, and the way it's played is definitely a, a completely new method yeah I just googled it there and without any actual context and without reading any articles whatsoever it says the handpan that we know it now, like the modern handpan, was invented in 2001. There the you handpan's go. younger than me, like. <laughs> That's incredible. Younger than Stephen O'Dowd. <laughs> it's not younger than me, because according to the both he, I'm only 17. But anyway. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And we're going to come back to that next week, actually, Luke, but enough of that for now. Okay, so before we get to this track, there's a gig uh, I'd like to plug it today is St. Patrick's Day you may be listening to this podcast in the days after St. Patrick's Day but there's a, a massive Sligo Musicians online St. Patrick's Day gig taking place on Facebook go to Sligo Musicians online festival community page uh, and there is a huge lineup of musicians playing all day there from three o'clock on St. Patrick's Day I know I was involved and Luke was involved in, in the putting together of this you played with Stephen I played with Stephen, indeed. Stephen, who was on the show, we had great fun um, playing a, a set by the Meters. Uh, so that's 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 a great gig. Uh, it'll you know it'll be up it'll be up online even if you're listening to this show after St Patrick's Day. Next week we have Sandy Kelly, which is a big one for us. We know Sandy well, but she has such a story to tell. She has worked with the best of the best in the business and we look forward to chatting her all about her history in music but now lads it's time for this track uh luke <laughs> you you've heard it luke in fairness you've you've put it together um but myself and rory haven't heard it so we're we're really looking forward to this yeah well as you should be it turned out really really nice well in luke we trust and in the musicians we trust i'm sure it turns out great this is shivyog uh, shivor featuring Catherine radigan dan mulqueen and Stephen O'Dowd, a very happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. Good luck. Bye. Bye. 